0: Father, we come right now thanking you for all of your many blessings, Lord, both that we see and recognize and give you praise for, but Lord, we also give you thanks for the blessings that maybe we pass by and that we miss. Because it's in these blessings, Lord, that we realize that even though we, we didn't pay attention to them, we didn't see them, we didn't take notice of them, these are blessings, Lord, that you've given us that sustain us, and that calls us to continue to, to live this life. In abundance, as you promise. So thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you pour out. And just hear our our thanks right now for them all. Lord, we just uh, come to another time of of giving thanks. We give you thanks for your Son. It's because of your Son that we stand uh, redeemed, we stand blessed, we stand whole, we stand forgiven. Lord, we thank You for Jesus. And it's because of Him that we come to His Word, which we are also thankful for. To Your Word, Lord, that that You have given, that has stood the test of time and and shall endure until time will be no more on this earth. Lord, we thank You for this Word. It has life-changing power, and that's what we're looking for today, Lord. We are looking for the life-changing power of Scripture in our life that we will receive from this Scripture this morning comfort where we need to be comforted and conviction where we need to be convicted, Lord, in our lives of service and devotion to You. Lord, pour out peace in Your Spirit both to comfort us, but peace also to show us that You still have a ways to guide us, but You're with us every step of the way. Make us more like Jesus. Let this world see more of him, know more about him. Because we are a people who not only listen to your word, but we are a people who choose to live your word. I pray this and ask your blessings that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth will be pleasing to you, O God, today before this congregation. That they be your words. Christ's name, amen. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 19. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Uh, if you uh, don't want to use your Bible this morning or don't have it with you, that's quite alright. You can look in your, uh, in your bulletin uh, for this morning as well as on the screen. The words are there for you. Deuteronomy chapter 19 beginning in verse 1 and reading through verse 7 says this When the Lord your God has destroyed the nations whose land he is giving you and when you have driven them out and settled them in your towns and house settled in uh, their towns and houses then set aside for yourself three cities in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess determine the distances involved and divide into three parts the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, so that a person who kills someone may flee for refuge to one of these cities. This is the rule concerning anyone who kills a person and flees there for safety. Anyone who kills a neighbor unintentionally without malice aforethought, for instance, a man may go into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, And as he swings his axe to fell a tree, the head may fly off and hit his neighbor and kill him. That man may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Otherwise, the avenger of blood may pursue him in a rage, overtake him if the distance is too great, and kill him even though he is not deserving of death, since he did it to his neighbor without malice aforethought. This is why I command you, To set aside for yourself three cities. Last week, I concluded my sermon by reading Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering. And sacrifice to God imitators of God imitators of God you know this is a daunting task that the scripture calls us to to be an imitator of walking as Jesus would right up to these people not just sending some money, not just good intentions, good thoughts. I hear this a lot, sending good vibes your way. Actually going right up to these people, standing face to face. And I must confess that this day I am praying, Lord, make me like that because I have not arrived there yet totally myself. God so desperately wants to love these people through us, but will we, not just you, but me, we, will we go to them and would we welcome them if they came? Not only should we go to them, but if God sent them our way, because we are His presence and His light in this world, would we welcome them? Would we listen to them? Would we hold them while they cry? Not to deal with the problem immediately as they stand face to face before us, but would we listen to their story and just let them tell somebody why they hurt? Would we welcome them? So many people are seeking refuge in this life. And I tell you, a lot of people are seeking refuge from their lives. They're not just seeking refuge for their life, they're seeking refuge from their life, this life that that they have built. But these people don't know where to turn. They also don't know how to turn to refuge. Refuge being defined as our... In our dictionaries as a verb, which means to find shelter from pursuit of one's past, danger of poor decisions, or difficulty with contemplating what the future could hold for them. They don't know where to turn for refuge they also don't know how many to turn to refuge. And it's in moments of of pure honesty within the hearts of these people, I am not only sure, but I am certain that many have asked themselves this question at least one time, how did this even happen to me? How is what I'm going through something that I've gotten myself involved in? How did all this even happen to me? Where, where did it start? Where did it begin? Think about how many drug addicts. Okay? Think about how many drug addicts had a child as, as a child had a dream to grow up to decide that one day I want to ruin my life through drugs. How many? Drug addicts, do you think, thought about this as they were growing up as a child? Or how about an adulterer who wanted nothing more as a child than to hurt the one that they loved or cause their marriage to fail? How many of these adulterers as a child thought about this? Or how about a drunk driver who as a child wanted to cause such sadness and grief in a family's life by killing their only child in an automobile accident that they caused because of their drunk driving. How many do you think, honestly, this morning, started out their life from the very beginning thinking that this is something I want to do in my life one day? Heavens no. No one thought about this. As a child, we want to be firefighters. We want to be lawyers. We want to be doctors. We don't want to be drug addicts. We don't want to be drunks. We don't want to be rapists. We don't want to be adulterers. Children, don't think about this. But life happens. And it can all be traced back to one poor decision, one rogue thought, one heat of momentary passion that changed their entire world forever. That's where it really started. Before crossing into the promised land, God told His people to build and set aside three cities originally. Later, He added three more for a total of six because they were necessary and needed. And these cities were to stand as a place where someone who kills someone... The second half of the verse on the screen, a place where someone who kills someone may flee for refuge to one of these cities. William, I'm going to ask you to follow along with me as we reread verses 4 through 7 of Deuteronomy chapter uh, 19 one more time. This is the rule concerning anyone who kills a person and flees there for safety. "...anyone who kills a neighbor unintentionally without malice aforethought. For instance, a man may go into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and as he swings his axe to fell a tree, the head may fly off and hit his neighbor and kill him. That man may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Otherwise, the avenger of blood might pursue him in a rage." Overtake him in the distance that is too great and kill him even though he is not deserving of death since he did it to his neighbor without malice aforethought. This is why I command you to set aside for yourselves three cities. I want to take time for just a moment and I want to tell you what a city of refuge according to God's word is not. I want to start by telling you what a city of refuge, according to God's Word, is not. It's not what we consider in our modern culture to be a sanctuary city. That is what it is not. Okay. A city of refuge is not a place where justice for wrongs is not sought after. A city of refuge is not a selected place where people are turned away because someone thinks they don't belong. No, these are the things that a city of refuge, according to the Scripture, is not. But biblically, this, in just a general sense, is some of the highlights of what a city of refuge is. A city of refuge is a place that stands to represent safety for people who messed up with one wrong action. Accidentally and unintentionally, who are facing the consequences that pursue them. Because consequence has no prejudice for what we did or didn't mean to do. A city of refuge is a place where someone could tell their story regardless of how bad it may sound. It's a place where they would be truly welcome and considered innocent until proven guilty. Truly innocent until proven guilty. And a city of refuge is a place where no matter who you are, where you've come from, what you look like, or maybe even what you sound like, It's a place that you could come and and seek refuge from an avenger of blood that's hot on your trail, that wants nothing more than to destroy you, even though you did something unintentionally. You see, in these days, they needed a place like this because if you killed someone, innocently or not, the next of kin could kill you in return, no questions asked. In Exodus 21, verses 23 through 25, it says, But if a serious injury results, then you must be required to take a life for a life. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and stripe for stripe. It kind of goes down that list, but it starts first with a life for a life. This is what they were allowed to do in the days of the Old Testament. Now, you may ask, this is a rhetorical question, so do not answer. I'm serious. <laughs> now, you may ask, Cody, why are we studying this? You're asking in your heart and mind, why are we studying this? I would say that that question requires three answers. Number one, being the most important, I believe, is that 2 Timothy. Paul tells Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the number one reason we are studying this passage. Number two, today, all of us are pursued by the avenger of blood. Every single one of us have a common avenger of blood who is seeking blood for our wrongs. And that person is no one less than Satan himself. You see, Satan is really good at taking God's word and making us focus on the part and not the whole. Satan tries to tell us and so many people that the wages of sin is death, and that's the truth. He tries to tell us and leave it there. That for the wages of sin is death. How many people have you heard? And I can't tell you how many people I've heard over my lifetime and even just my short span of ministry. Not just the, the few, but really the hundreds of people that I have talked to and I have met. I'm sure that you have heard this before and you might have even said it yourself that I've done some things that are so wrong even God couldn't forgive me. How could God forgive me for what I've done? That is Satan right there trying to get you to put a period on this verse. On this sentence, it's not yet finished. He tries to get us to focus on, for the wages of sin is death. He tries to blind us to the rest of the passage that doesn't end with a period, but that actually continues with a comma. He tells us in His Word, God, for the wages of sin is death, comma, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Our lives don't end with our mistakes. Our lives don't end with our wrongdoings. Our lives don't end with hurt and pain as long as Jesus places a comma there and becomes the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. That He becomes the one we recognize. The one that we submit to. The one that we bow down to. The one that says, God, I have messed up. But you told me you love me and I'm... I'm taking you up on that promise. Don't you just love Jesus? I mean, I do. And that right there is why. That He didn't just stop in my sin, because He had every right to, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I just love Jesus. Because Jesus shed His blood, His perfect, innocent, truly innocent blood, to cover our imperfect lives and our mistakes and to satisfy our avenger of blood, Satan. Because the Bible tells us, and I'm so glad about it, as you see in this passage on the screen, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We need someone to satisfy the avenger of blood that is pursuing us and coming after us, following us hot on our tail. We need someone to satisfy his lust for our blood. And that is Jesus Christ. Because for the children, the writer of Hebrews also tells us, we are made of flesh and blood. So he came, he put on flesh and blood for us in our place so that He might shed His innocent blood, that there might be remission of sins, that that we might be saved. The number three reason that we are studying this passage is because people need to know this. They need to know that the avenger of blood in their life can be satisfied. They need to know that they can seek refuge, help trouble from trouble, hope in a time of need, they need to know that they can be secured when it seems like they have killed any chance at a good life for themselves. People need to know about Jesus who can resurrect any dead thing, even life itself. they need to know that even if they feel like they've killed any chance at a good life for themselves, or maybe if they feel like they've killed even a good life for someone else because of their sin, as long as they have breath, it's not too late. It's not too late for a genuine change. In Jesus' eyes, no one should die in sin. And even though sin demands death, Jesus would have it that no one died in sin because He came and shed His blood for whosoever believes. Jesus tells us, you might deserve to die because of your sin, but you don't deserve to die because I died for you. I died in your place. I died to cover your sins. I died to give you forgiveness that you so desperately needed when no one else would forgive you for your wrongs. Even if no one else forgives you, I forgive you. I will help you have abundant life even though you seem like your life is crashing all around you. I can help you pick up the pieces for the potter knows how to work the clay. Amen? He takes that broken and marred pot Oh, and He makes it something beautiful out of something that was a wreck. In Jesus' eyes, no one should die, even though we deserve to die, because He shed His blood. And He shed His blood not for for just a few. He shed His blood not just for a set of particular pre-approved sins. No, not just for a certain type of people. No, anyone, anyone can overcome Satan because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. This word of our testimony of the redeemed is the gospel of Jesus Christ that you can be redeemed, that you can be rescued, that you can seek refuge if only you will believe in the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ. Knowing all this, I pray that You will listen and be convicted as I have been by Jesus' words I was reminded of this week. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. there are many people in our city who are lost in need of refuge, in need of a change for their life. They're not going to find the change in the world. They're going to find the change in Jesus. and Because we're the church, because Christ lives through us and we are his missionaries into the world. The only way that he has set aside for spreading the gospel are for those who go into all the world and make disciples because we, the church, bear Christ's mission. The only way that this world is going to see Jesus Christ, the only way this city is going to see Jesus Christ is through the church. That's what the bottom of this means. That's the subtitle of this series, we need to be a church of refuge, a place where people can come and find help and hope in Jesus Christ. The only way that this city can change is through the church and through the true and genuine church of Jesus Christ that stands on the promise that whosoever believes shall be saved. That whosoever comes shall be saved. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because of that, because God wants whoever and whosoever, are we today helping people overcome the world by the word of our testimony? By telling them the gospel that changed our lives, that's changed the lives of countless others, And that can change their lives as well. If only they believe. Would you pray with me? Father, we come and we confess that, um, no, I do. And we're not perfect. Father, the Apostle Paul arguably, in our minds at least, one of the greatest Christians who ever ever lived set a wonderful example for us to follow as he followed Jesus Christ said that he strives and he strains for perfection he told us that it was nothing that he was able to do this side of heaven but the pursuit of your perfection still made him better while he lived in this world the more he tried to put on your son Jesus and and live as that new creature that You call us to be in Him the day that we accept Him and we are baptized, the day that we clothe Christ and His righteousness. Lord, He tried to live more like Jesus every day. We're encouraged, Lord, to do the same. We know. We know. I'm quoting to You, Lord, what You already know. But I'm just reminding myself. I'm reminding... People who fall under the, under my voice. Lord, we need to be more like Jesus. Lord, it's something that we will not totally actualize or arrive at while we're, while we're here. No, it's something that we can say, though, that we were better at the day we left this world as opposed to the day we started. Lord, help us to have that mindset deciding to be more like Jesus today than yesterday and tomorrow more than today. Stir a fire in our heart as David prayed, Lord, that we might seek your ways and your righteousness, that we might live for you and only you by your statutes and laws. And not that of our world, not that of our land. That we wouldn't seek to be like the world just because it's easy. But that we'd seek to be like you because it's best. You promised that you'd help us. And the change we know, Lord, is not just good for us, but it's good for others. Help us, Lord, to seek your change in our lives. That it might even change our eyes. And we can see more of what you see. Look at this world, our country, our city, more like you look at it. Lord, this is my prayer so that more people might know Jesus before it's too late. For the harvest is plentiful, it's ripe. Lord, I just pray that You help encourage us in our city to let as few die on the vine as possible. But that all might believe and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ like we have. Encourage us, Lord, in our deepest parts. Convict us, Lord. If we feel uncomfortable now, good. Now I do a little bit. Thinking of how, Lord, I can be more for You so that others might see You. Encourage us and convict us, Lord. Be more like Jesus. I know I'm not the only one praying this prayer. So we ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're like me, maybe you need to start praying that, Lord, make me more like Jesus. Never feel like we've arrived May we constantly pursue after Him so that we might not only be blessed, but this world would be as well. Pray that prayer today if you feel like you should. If you feel the Lord calling you, convicting you to pray that prayer. I'd say it should be a prayer of all of us every day. Lord, make me more like Jesus today. If there's something inside of you that's struggling, that's hurting, in need of help and hope, if you need a place of refuge from the storms of life that you're in, I pray that you will come to the altar, that you will lay it at the foot of the cross, and that you will let Jesus cover that sin, cover that struggle with His blood, that Satan might leave you alone. Because Jesus tells him, this one's mine. Are you waiting to give something to Jesus? Are you praying for somebody who hasn't given something to Jesus? Are you praying for someone who needs to come to refuge? Are you praying for someone who is caught in the storms of this world and this life? Maybe they cause their own problems, but you know that where they are is going to lead them to the heart of the storm where they be torn apart. Come and offer their name to Jesus. Ask God to move in their life, but also to move Christians in and around their life. Maybe you or someone else that they might be Jesus to them today. And if you're just needing and struggling in any way, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, bring it to Jesus. Lay it at His feet. He'll take it. he'll, He'll bless it. He'll give you refuge. You might have consequences to face. But he's going to give you peace to even handle the consequences that come from from the sin that's in this life. And just know today, you're not alone. You're not alone. So, if someone comes to this altar this morning, not just this Sunday or any Sunday after this, someone comes to this altar and you feel God saying that, I think I need to pray with them. If you believe in Jesus Christ in prayer, you come up and pray with them. Don't wait on an elder or me, or someone, you feel the call, you go and pray with them. Let us be the church and win these battles with Christ together. And if you feel like you need to talk in private, the prayer room is open. Somebody will be in there with you if you choose to go. The invitation's open, and there's no reason for coming if you're convicted. Do not leave this place this morning having something you need to lay down seek refuge from, or lay down somebody who needs to seek refuge. Do not wait. Come today if you feel convicted so that Jesus might give you comfort. Offer this invitation as we stand and we sing.